This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for January 24th, 2018. In this episode, we'll follow up on a malware exploit discovered only last week. We'll have news on a text messaging phishing scheme that can freeze or restart your device, and an update on Apple's recent iOS battery issues. Plus, how to protect your browsing privacy by using a VPN, a virtual private network, to create untrackable connections to the Internet. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. Things move fast in this industry, don't they, Josh? <laughs> there's, there's new things happening all the time, every week. We, we never run out of topics for this show. Well, not only that, but we can talk about something in one episode. And by the time the next episode comes around, we've learned more about it or there have been fixes for it or things have gotten worse. And, and you were telling us about some malware last week. And I think the name of this malware is Mammy. Yeah, Patrick Wardle, um, we, we mentioned last week that he had just written up and, it, and this was literally two hours before we, we recorded last week. He had written up something about this brand new DNS hijacking Mac malware, and it's uh, it's called OS 10 slash M-A-M-I, Mami, is how I would pronounce it. So we know some more information about it, and um, I'll just give a couple of highlights. We, we did have a link in the show notes for last week's episode, which included a lot of additional information. Just a couple of things that I thought would be worth mentioning were that we now know the infection vector for at least that original, the, uh, the person who posted on a forum who initially kind of kicked off this all this research about it, they, uh, they did update the, their forum post and clarified that the way that that computer got infected was after the user of that computer clicked on something inside of a browser pop-up window. That's how they believe that the computer originally got infected. Um, the, and the other note about this is just that um, Apple has finally updated. It, it's sort of like an antivirus feature. I don't know if we've mentioned XProtect before, but there's an underlying feature in, in Mac OS that um, it's uh, it's sort of a really, really basic safe download list is I think what Apple actually calls it. But basically it blocks certain specific malware that's been really prevalent. It doesn't block all Mac malware necessarily, but... It's not a full antivirus. Correct. It can't analyze complex malware. It can only get certain files according to certain strings of characters in the file. So it is very limited compared to something like Intego Virus Barrier, but it does block as you say, the most common malware and, and the most dangerous malware. Right. And so Apple finally updated its XProtect definitions, and they also have a, a removal tool that, that gets rid of the same things that XProtect is supposed to prevent from getting on your machine. The, the, the problem with XProtect, of course, is that Apple typically adds signatures like a week after this malware has already been infecting everybody. And so it doesn't do you any good at that point. And so Apple also has a removal tool that you can run once and it's supposed to clean up some of those things. But you really need um, active antivirus to prevent your computer from really getting infected in the first place and to automatically remove it once detections are, are added to your antivirus program. 
with Apple's tools, XProtect is it kind of it, it always gets there too late to the party. And then the removal tool, you have to know about it and download it and run it manually. And so it doesn't necessarily do you a lot of good. One of the disadvantages of Apple's XProtect is it doesn't really have real time scanning. It only scans files that you download and only through certain apps. It'll scan files that you download with Safari, Mail and Messages. But if you use Firefox or Chrome, it won't scan them at all. Whereas an app like Intego Virus Barrier is going to scan all files that come into your computer, regardless of which app. Yeah, and, and there's lots of other reasons really why you need active antivirus protection to, to be safe. If your device gets infected, then Apple's protections won't really protect you because you know, there, there's not, there's because it's too late. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too late at that point. So you really need active protection on your machine. So one security tip, if you use Safari, go to Safari preferences, click on the security tab and make sure that block pop-up windows is checked. There really aren't many valid uses for pop-up windows anymore. This said, one of the banks I use uses a pop-up window. So when I click log into my account on their webpage, a pop-up window comes up. And I find this really annoying, yet Safari doesn't block that pop-up window. So is it a different kind of pop-up window? Hmm. You know, when you go on a website and you do a live chat, sometimes you get a pop-up window and, and it, that always works. Hmm. So maybe this has something to do with the way that you're requesting the pop-up window and not that it's being forced by the code in a web page. It could be. There are different types of pop-ups and different ways, um, more accurately, the pop-ups um, can be initiated. And... There are actually websites out there that have a sort of a multi-checker so you can see which types of pop-ups your browser will block um, versus not block. There are websites out there where, where you can kind of initiate pop-ups of various kinds like that to test your browser to see what, how, how it does. So yeah, there are definitely different ways that pop-ups can be initiated. I'll put a link in the show notes to one of these websites so you can check your own browser. So there's another piece of malware that's come out this week. And this isn't the first time I've seen this, but apparently you can send a malicious link to someone as a text message and it can cause the messages app or the entire Mac or iOS device to freeze or reboot. How does this work and why would anyone want to do this? I mean, is how malicious is this? Are they trying to do something more than just freeze or or block your app or your device and, and it's not working correctly? What's the what's the motivation for this? There, there have been times in the past where links like this have been distributed that were able to, to crash a device, particularly Apple devices. So it's definitely not the first time that something like this has ever happened. And I think basically the, the gist of it is there's something to how Apple is parsing links when when they come in uh, to the messages app and the way that it, that it looks at that link there's some part of how it processes that information that in this particular case causes um, the device to hang or or freeze and um, it's it's something that um, although technically it's not a, a security concern from the perspective of oh my gosh my device is now infected it's something that could be described as a denial of service attack. Right. It's an it's an annoyance. And if someone wants to prevent you from using your device, so imagine that you're following someone, you're a NSA agent and you're following someone in some deep, dark alleyways in a city and you've got a phone and you're using it to trace the person because you planted a GPS transponder on them. 
And Tom Cruise comes along and he sends you a text message which freezes your phone just when that person's going into a building. So you would not be able to know where they are anymore. Yep, there you go. Tom Cruise, he, he's always got his hand in something. This is an annoyance. And it seems that if you just delete the message thread, you'll be okay, that you certainly don't want to tap on the link or the preview. The problem is that these links seem to come from a website called GitHub, which is a site that developers use to share code and store code. And a lot of developers would see a text message coming maybe from someone they don't know, but, oh, it's GitHub. Okay, let me go see what someone has just uploaded to GitHub, new, you know, new app code, and they would get caught. The the rest of us, we would see this and we wouldn't know what it was. If you don't know what GitHub is, you wouldn't know what the link is and you might be a little bit more hesitant. So one of the problems is that you don't even have to tap on this link. Just receiving the link can cause problems. GitHub has removed the offensive web page, but there's no reason why someone else couldn't make another web page someplace and send you a malicious link. Right. The, about the only thing that you can do is don't open that message thread. So if you if you get a new message be, before you tap on that conversation thread, just delete it. Um, if if there, you have any reason to suspect that, that, that it might be a link that could cause a crash like that, um, it, that someone might be trying to play a prank on you or something, then just delete that thread. If you do happen to to uh, open that thread and your messages app freezes, you can, when you get back into the messages app after it crashes, you can just delete that message thread and that will resolve the issue. Right. And on iOS, you're likely to see this in the unknown senders tab, not in the contacts and SMS tab of messages. Yeah, if, if that's true. If it's coming from somebody that you don't know and someone's just spamming a link to try to crash a bunch of iOS devices, then that's definitely the case. But I think this is a, a good warning that you just shouldn't click links that you don't know where they come from. You shouldn't tap them. You shouldn't, you know, the, this, it's not technically a Trojan horse, but it can be an annoyance. So just swipe and delete. Yeah. And, and Apple has said that they're going to release um, an update for iOS next week. So possibly even by the time that uh, this episode is out. Um, and that's iOS 11.2.5. And that is supposed to to fix the hang issue. Um, Apple is also working on macOS 10.13.3, which is supposed to have some better mitigations for meltdown, as well as fixing this hang issue. So last week, we talked about the iPhone battery issue and the fact that Apple was throttling older iPhones. And Apple had already come out and said that they were going to replace the batteries for a lower price. But now Tim Cook has said a little bit more. Right. And, and this is kind of interesting because he, he made a public statement saying that in an upcoming release of iOS, that they would give the capability, so give users the capability of opting out of this feature <laughs> that is supposed to protect your device from, from, uh, from turning off when the battery uh, has a problem. So basically, they're giving you a way if you want to live dangerously and you want to get that little bit of extra performance and you don't really care if your device shuts off unexpectedly, then Apple will apparently be giving us a way to opt out of that through the settings app. And according to Forbes, this is going to be coming in iOS 11.3. So this is not the 11.2.5 that's coming up next week. Right. And this should also include the display of information about your battery health, which Apple has already promised, which will tell you the battery health percentage and the number of charge cycles. So you'll have a better idea of the condition of your iOS battery. 
Coming up, how a VPN, a virtual private network, can help keep your browsing habits private when the Intego Mac podcast continues in just about a minute. In an upcoming episode, we're going to talk about what to do if you think you've been hacked. Have you ever been hacked? What's your biggest security nightmare? Share your thoughts with us at podcast at intego.com. And if we mention your email on the show, you might win a prize. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac podcast listeners can get 50% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code IntegoPodcast at checkout to save 50%. That's IntegoPodcast to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. So we've had a number of questions from listeners, and... A couple of people have been asking about VPNs. Sarah wrote in to say, people tell me that it's important to use a VPN to protect my internet traffic, especially when I'm away from home. Do I really need a VPN? Why and how do I set it up? We mentioned recently that we were going to talk about VPNs. So let's take a deep dive into VPNs. Josh, do you ever use a VPN? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. It's something that I use, especially when I'm in a public place. If I'm going to a hotel, for instance, and if they just have open Wi-Fi, no password, that concerns me because what that means is that there's no encryption on that network. And so theoretically, some other user of that network could be watching your traffic. And that's scary. Right. And this is what we call a man in the middle attack where someone can sniff your traffic. And that's the term we use, sniff. And they could eventually intercept some of the data that you're sending or receiving, or they could even possibly reroute your traffic to a malicious server. Any public hotspot, there's always the possibility that the person who's running that hotspot could man in the middle your your traffic. That's always something that could be going on. You just never know. Even if you had to put in a password, even if you're on an encrypted network, there's still that possibility that somebody could be trying to spy on your traffic before it gets out to that website. So it could be a honeypot hotspot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a fun term, honeypot hotspot. Well, a honeypot is something that tries to attract people through one way or another, and it could be a Wi-Fi network. It could be someone drops a wallet on the street and wants you to pick it up. I use VPNs occasionally, and one of the main reasons is for geolocation. So there are lots of services on the internet that you can only access if you're in a specific country. I used to live in France, and I love watching the Tour de France on TV, but I hate the UK feed of the Tour de France. There are about 20 minutes of commercials per hour, and the people who do the commentary aren't very good. So during those three weeks that the Tour de France is on, I use a VPN to make it look like my computer or iPad is in France so I can watch the French TV website. Now, you might say this isn't totally legal. 
because I'm not paying a TV license in France where there is a TV license. But, you know, I lived there for long enough, so I don't really worry about it. I'm sure you've been tempted to do that, too, haven't you? I have considered it. Doctor Who is a show that I really enjoy. And here in the States, we have to wait a while before it shows up on, you know, one of these streaming services like Netflix or Amazon. And uh, having having to wait a year or two before I get to watch the latest, you know, it's not the latest anymore by the time I'm seeing Doctor Who. So And, and you've read about it on the Internet. Everyone's talked about it. So it kind of oh, ruins it's so everything. hard. Yeah. Like everything's a spoiler. Anything that anybody from the UK posts about Doctor Who is a spoiler for like a year or two. Could so. you imagine when Lost was on, if you were outside the US and you had to wait several weeks because that's what was happening. It, it was being broadcast on, on in different countries several weeks later. Yeah, that, that must have been awful for people. And I was a Lost podcaster, so I, I, kn- I can feel their pain because I was I was there. I was watching every episode live. And so... That's uh, that that had to be rough. Now, if I remember correctly, the last season of Lost was cut into two parts, right? Oh, let me think about that. Um, it was like six episodes and six episodes. And what ABC decided to do was broadcast the episodes of Lost the following day in certain countries. So I was in France at the time, but also in the UK and Spain, I think, to prevent people from illegally downloading them because that's what the lost fanatics were doing if they were outside the U.S. They didn't want to wait three weeks to find out what was going on. Right. Because they were listening to your podcast and they didn't (laughs) want to have to put off listening to your podcast to know what was happening. Exactly. So those are two of the reasons you'd want to use a VPN. There are a couple of others. You might want it just to protect your privacy because you don't like the idea of sending sensitive information be it your emails or your passwords or whatever else that you send over the internet. Right. Perhaps you don't even trust your own ISP, your own internet service provider. You know, I I think we we mentioned recently that Comcast, for example, will inject JavaScript into non-HTTPS websites to let you know that you're getting close to your bandwidth cap. Really? Why? Please don't touch my websites. Don't do that. And, uh, and of course, you know, your ISP can do a whole lot of other things, too. They, frankly... They can filter your traffic. They can search it for keywords in order to, to serve ads to you. And, and hand that off to the NSA or who knows what. Yeah. Well, yeah. So imagine if you're a journalist or an activist and you're involved in things that really require... Secrets, not in the sense of, you know, CIA and NSA, but where you have important information that you're exchanging. And and frankly, if you're in a business and let's say you're going to another country to do business, you know, industrial espionage is huge. You want to protect your business's secrets. So you absolutely have to connect to a VPN to share information, reports, emails, etc. There might be other activities you want to keep secret. And, you know, everyone has their own things that they don't want the world to know about. And so a VPN is a good way to do this. So let's first define the term VPN means virtual private network. What it essentially means is that you create a private connection between your computer or device and a remote server someplace. So it's as if they can talk to each other, but nothing else can understand what they're saying because the data is encrypted from one end to the other. Now, once it gets out of the server at the other end of the VPN host, then it's not encrypted anymore. Then it goes out onto the internet. But what you're doing is you're protecting that intermediate stage, which could be you on a Wi-Fi network in an airport or you in a different country sending information back to your business. Yeah, and there's absolutely lots of of similar uses like that. But um, you bring up a really good point that a VPN is not going to protect you from everything. 
So you do need to understand what a VPN protects you from, including the things that we mentioned, but it's it does not ensure that your data that you're you're sending to that you know l- l- let's say you're connecting to a website and and you've got to submit some secure information there what what a vpn will protect you from is for example again like your isp tapping you or if you're in a public hotspot from you know protects you from other people on that network from being able to see your traffic but as, as you say once it gets out to the to the public internet it goes to that vpn server and then it goes out on the public internet so anywhere between that vpn server and the server that you're trying to connect to for example that web server it could theoretically somewhere along that line, it could still be intercepted. And and there's really no way to prevent that from happening. No, there isn't, unless you're going directly to a VPN. Let's say, again, you're on business in a foreign country. If you're going directly to a VPN in your business, then it will never be on the public internet. I wrote an article for the Intego website in 2016 about how you can use a home router with a built-in VPN to protect your traffic wherever you are. And this is an interesting concept. So you turn on the VPN service on the router, you create a user account, you use an app to connect to the router. And whenever you're sending traffic from wherever you are, it goes to the router and then it goes back out encrypted. This is an interesting way to do this. And in fact, this is the way businesses often do this with much bigger routers. And what this does is it ensures that all of your data is encrypted until it gets to your home network, and then it goes out onto the public network. You asked me earlier what I use a VPN for, and um, the VPN that I use is one where I'm connecting to the the business network um, at a company that I work for. So wherever I am in the world, I, I get two advantages out of this. One is that I can connect to resources that only exist within that business network and and don't exist for the public internet. Right. When you connect, it's almost as if you're physically on the network in the buildings of the business. Exactly. Exactly right. And the other thing that, that I mentioned earlier was, was when I'm in a public place, then, then it also allows me to get so essentially what I'm doing is I'm connecting from my device, which could be uh, either my, my iPhone or it could be my Mac. But I I use the VPN to connect into my work network. And then from there, I trust that connection out to the Internet a lot more than whatever public network I happen to be using. So so that's that's those are the ways that I use a a VPN to protect my my traffic. Right. So you can set up your own VPN on a router. But the easiest way is to just buy a subscription with a VPN company. And they're generally, there are hundreds of them, and they all offer iOS apps, and they all give you macOS access. What they generally do is they have you download a profile. So I I have a a VPN that I subscribe to for my occasional usage, and when I want to connect to a server, it downloads a profile file, which then gets installed in system preferences. This contains a server address, an account name, a password, and some authentication settings. And both macOS and iOS are set up to automatically work with a VPN, regardless of whether it is subscription VPN, a VPN you've set up, a VPN at your company. It makes no difference as long as you have these different bits of information. Exactly. Right. And so, as Kirk mentioned, you you may have a profile. You may, in some cases, uh, have to type in some, some information about the server you're trying to connect to. But both macOS and iOS do make it easy to, um, to set this up, relatively easy. And it's a one-time setup. So w- once you get it set up, then you don't have to worry about it again. You can just hit a toggle switch on iOS or 
you can go to your uh, to your menu bar to turn on your your VPN on a Mac. Right. So it's really easy. For instance, on a Mac, I've worked for clients who have required VPNs to access their networks for the same reason you mentioned earlier, a sort of authentication thing. And what I would do is I would just go to the menu bar, toggle it, and then I'd be able to access these clients' networks. It is relatively simple. And frankly, what I would suggest is if you're on iOS in particular and you travel a lot and you use a lot of Wi-Fi networks and airports and restaurants and hotels and all that, it's really a good idea. Because you can just imagine that someone might want to take out a hotel room to sniff the networks and to try and capture data, especially in a business hotel where people are sending sensitive information or maybe credit cards or, you know, whatever it is. It's too easy to be on a network where you've got hundreds of people in a hotel who don't know each other, who aren't suspicious of anything, or maybe who are relaxing on vacation. Right. And, you know, one other thing that's really important that we talk about is that you need to Make sure that the what so if you're using a VPN service, a public service, you want to make sure that it's a company that you trust. But how do you know? I won't mention the name of the company that I use, but they've got a presence on the internet, and a lot of people use them, and it's a name that I've seen. But in the end, maybe they're not trustworthy. Yeah. Well, for, first of all, the, here, here's the why you want to make sure you trust that company because if if they are in between. Now you're, you're shifting the trust from whatever network you're currently connected to, to their network. So, um, so you need to be able to trust that company. Uh, how do you know that they're not tapping what you're doing and passing that off to somebody or using that to... Um, and that they're not working with the NSA or with your company's competitor. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And so, so how do you know that they're a trustworthy company? Well, that's a little bit harder. Uh, but but what you can try to do is um, whenever possible, you know, look look them up, see what information you can find about that company online. Uh, do do your homework. Um, look at um, a lot of times there are websites that do comparisons of different VPNs, and what you really want to focus on is uh, is reviews that talk about how they protect your security and your privacy. And you'll also often see some information about that through your VPN provider. They should tell you what technologies they use to protect you and keep you safe. But you also want to read some third-party reviews as well and uh, and see what other people have to say about it. Yeah, it, it's not as simple as just accepting any company. But we're not really in a position where we can recommend companies because we haven't gone into detail and analyzed these different companies. So it's up to you. But But, but as Josh says you'll find lots of reviews and there are plenty of security professionals who do look at this sort of thing. So thank you, Sarah, for your question. We'll be sending you an iTunes gift card for $25. And if anyone else has questions, please write in to podcast at intigo.com and ask your questions or tell us what topics you'd like us to cover. This has been a busy week, Josh. I think it's time for us to wrap up and we'll get back together next week. Stay secure. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intigo Mac Podcast with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Your comments and questions are welcome. Please feel free to send email correspondence to podcast at intigo.com. We may use your question on a future episode. Links to topics and information Kirk and Josh mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where you'll find details on the full line of award-winning Intego security and utility software, intego.com.